News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B. It is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hope you guys are having a great Saturday. Scott Romine here, 1029. I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite websites today, Iconic Motorbikes. And Adam Trump is the CEO of Iconic Motorbikes, which began in Marina Del Rey, California. In just three years, Iconic Motorbikes moved into a corporate hangar in the Santa Monica Airport, servicing and selling some of the most collectible motorcycles ever built. Iconic Motor Motorbikes grew a, into a leading online auction website for rare motorcycles. It's at iconicmotorbikes.com. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, thank you for the call. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Hi, where did you grow up? I don't think it was California. Uh, you know, I believe I was uh, born in Australia and then uh, rushed off to South Africa and Holland and Europe and all over the place. Kind of grew up everywhere. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Yeah, you don't have like a real Australian accent. I'm guessing you didn't spend a whole lot of time there. No, I have not. Give me a few beers and I start sounding more like an Australian. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Turn into Mad Max at that rate, I guess. There you, there you go. <laughs> what right. was your first exposure to motorcycles? Uh, you know, uh, I was probably about eight years old and my mother surprised me with uh, my stepfather at the time and, uh, sent me down with my brother down to the bottom of the Colorado mountains. And we went out and picked up a KM 80. So I was about eight years old. And the second I had that bike, my brother was on a bull taco and I was on the KM and I spent literally every day, every hour on that bike for the next year. Like I really <laughs> was on it constantly. So did you ever venture into racing motorcycles? Uh, you know, during, uh, my 17, 18 year old, right around that level, when I came back to the States, I, uh, <clears throat> I started getting into it a little bit. I wanted to, you know, kind of race. I went up to Willow Springs quite a bit and fact about it. I just uh, wasn't good enough, I guess. If, if, you know, I was, fast and everything else but i had a instructor tell me once that uh you know you're better off owning a team because the only reason you're fast is because you're crazy and i thought all right <laughs> i thought i'd i thought so i kind of put that on hold and <laughs> went the corporate route instead is that a yeah. difficult thing to get into because i know a lot of people collect your motorcycles that actual racers have owned i mean do you start on dirt bikes how does someone end up doing you know kind of what you thought about doing racing those things you know, it goes a few different ways. I mean, there's guys like, you know, like the legendary Nicky Hayden and his family that never, ever rode street. And so some people start off on street. Some of the best riders in the, you know, in the, in the history of riding came from dirt. And so, or even uh, flat track racing. So it, it just kind of ranges. And, and naturally, it, some guys just have that talent. They're guys and girls. They just have that skill set and they're born with it. And, you know, much like any other sport. Yeah. Hey, if you're just joining us, we're talking with the CEO of IconicMotorbikes.com. Check it out. It's incredible website. It's one of my favorites by far. Did you collect bikes at some point before you launched this? You know, I've always had some bikes. Uh, always had, but I never really had more than like three or four at a time. And actually, even before Iconic Motorbikes, I started another bike shop. I was an executive for a large toy company, so it was more of a write-off, if you will. Um, but at that point, I would have just probably two dozen, most of which were inventory. So, but I've always had two, three bikes, pretty much growing up. So I collect toys too. So you and I have a lot in common. I got to say. Yeah, I did that for fifteen years. That was uh, kind of how I made my seed money for this. 
some. It was wonderful. We've had some toy companies on the show before, some that make Star Wars and He-Man. We, we've actually kind of ventured into that. How did you connect with your, I guess it's your business partner that I see on some of your videos. Uh, you mean Abby? Yes, Abby. Yeah, so he came to the old dealership when we were first starting uh, getting started over at uh, on you know the Marina Del Rey location, and uh, we kind of just hit it off in the parking lot and started talking bikes more and more. And he said he would only come by for a few minutes, and next thing you know, where it was you know nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, and uh, he brought up in a conversation. He said, you know, one of my aspirations is I want to open an auction site one day, and I said well, that's funny because that's what I want to do. And so uh, we just we've been buddies ever since, and happy to say we're best buddies now so it's great it's really great when you launch the auction site i mean obviously you're competing against things like ebay and stuff like that but yours is much more specialized to that specific thing was was that pretty hard to get that together a little bit um so what you know what makes iconic different than say other platforms much like ebay or, or bring a trailer even is that we uh we have a full white glove service so you could actually buy a bike from us and have us do all the service from it or have it customized or have it created and shipped all over the world so we wanted to kind of give an experience where you can kind of do everything from soup to nuts um granted there's sometimes on bikes go on our auction site from other countries and we never even see them but a lot of times you know some of our clients want us to touch them first which is you know, which is great. People can go on your website and see these incredible photos of this, all these motorcycles in this hangar. And I got to be honest in Arkansas, you know, if you don't have an airplane in a hangar, they won't give you a hangar. How hard was it to, to put all these motorcycles and have the airport go along with it? Uh, well, thankfully our third partner, so it's Abby myself and there's another met gentleman named uh, Vic Benstetter. He's uh, known for Houston Hillstone Restaurant. He was one of the founders, and now he's on Gordon Ramsay's board for his restaurant chain. So he has a really good relationship with the airport and a rather sizable uh, hangar himself. Uh, This hangar is actually cool, though, because uh, Harrison Ford had it for 20 years before us. And so there's only, um, you know, so many people that want a hangar this large and, you know, at this expense, I should say. You've got all these cool bikes, (laughs) and you're hanging out in Indiana Jones's hangar. You're like the next Steve McQueen or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's funny, the parallel between some of these people, I'd say more so with uh, with um, Shelby Cobra or with uh, Carol Shelby, because our old facility was literally four buildings down from where he got started. And then, as you know, he went into a hangar and we did as well. It wasn't by design, it's just by coincidence. It's actually quite neat. <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to go home from your hangar. I think I just want to stay on the couch over there every night. I mean, it's very incredible what you have. It, it, it's a problem. I got to tell you, every night my wife texts me and says, honey, you coming home? It's like 7 or 8 p.m. I usually get here at 8 a.m. So, yeah, uh, and, and obviously the same. I don't think he left till 9 last night. Uh, tell me about the success you've had with social media. It looks like you have done a lot of this yourself, and you're pretty dang popular online. Yeah, we've had a really uh, significant impact on the uh, on the social media side. I personally had zero experience in it before. I, you know, I ran a big comp- a toy company, like I said, and uh, one of my little divisions was social media. So I had a little bit of like toe in the water with that. But yeah, we're doing great. We had a uh, last, I think, two months ago, we had 23 million impressions on Instagram alone, which was our record. We usually average between 11 and 15 million. Um, and that's just that. And the followers were about a bit over 180,000 and that's only within three years with all natural, all organic, none paid for, and just me making posts. But I, I, here's the thing. I, I do a lot of posts. <laughs> so I post a lot. Three million of the impressions was me. 
I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> yeah, right? I just want to throw that well, out. Well, you there. know what? Well, I, I, let's, let's start getting that question going. What yeah. are you waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Hey, how would someone sell a bike with you, with IconicMotorbikes.com? We make it really easy. Um, so there's only a $75 submission fee to put a bike on our site, and so that's all the seller has to pay. The buyer, We make our money on the buyer side, which is a 7% buyer fee. So you, you basically go to the website, you say submit bike, and then you write up. You can tell us about it, and then submit photos and obviously videos. And we turn that into a, you know, Arby and his team put that into a really nice, you know, well-written and well-photographed listing, and uh, the auctions will go for seven days. So it's it's really easy. It's it's probably easier than you'd find on any other platform. And like I said, we do a lot of back end work too. So as opposed to like an eBay or bring a trailer where they just say, "Hey, meet this buyer." We we help you with everything, and you know, all the way until you get the bike. So you must have a favorite. I got a minute before we take a break. What is your favorite? You got to have a handful. You know, I, I got to tell you, I think your latter statement applies. I, I don't have a personal favorite in just one. It, it, it's just everything is different, you know. So it's just for me, I could break it down to a half dozen maybe, but an RC30 is definitely pretty high up on the list. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine, brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. Hey, Scott Romine here. Go check out iconicmotorbikes.com. These guys, it's the best photographs. It's motorcycle porn. I got to be honest with you, Adam. We're talking with the CEO, <laughs> Adam Trump. He's in uh, out in California. He's got a hangar full of just unbelievable motorcycles. And I got to ask you, you sell this pristine, like 80s and 90s stuff. Do people that buy these, are they thinking about them like Ferraris and Lamborghinis where I can't put any miles on it? I got to store it. It's just to look at. Or are people looking to get them to put miles on them? What's going on there? Well, so we try not to stay in that click. We, we basically try to cover anything with two wheels. So we've even sold collections back in the, like the 1920s bikes, you know, the uh, the board track issues. But back to your statement, yeah, there are definitely collectors like that. And there's people that want to, you know, put some of their portfolio into motorcycles because they take less room than cars and as opposed to just having money sit in a bank or a stock market. But there's also those people, I'd say our biggest clientele are the are the people that are in their like 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, maybe even 60s that couldn't afford the bike when they were younger. And now they want to fill that void. And so they want a pristine example that they couldn't get on the showroom floor at the time. And now they want to just throw a leg over it and you know, it's, it's, it's really neat. It's like you're fulfilling these, uh, these dreams of people, which is phenomenal. I totally get it. Cause I'm going to buy a ZXR from you and 16 years, years old. <laughs> I wrecked one. My dad wouldn't let me have one. And it's going to, it's going to be a dream come true. One of these days I'll get one from you. I'm sure. I love watching your service guys. You seem to have an incredible team of technicians how important is that team and and do they skew older because surely some of the things being done is a lost art so steve is our head mechanic if you will and he is i think he just turned 192 um years old no, <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah uh, but social security number is four order. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, yeah, single digit. That's exactly. moses is um, two but, you know, yeah 
<laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so, you know, so Steve plays mentor to these guys. Um, three of them came from Beverly Hills to Cotty, so they're really well, in the, you know, versed on the newer Italian stuff and Envy Augustas and all those sort of things. But uh, him and Ollie are, they love two strokes. Actually, I shouldn't say that. All the guys kind of like two strokes. And, yeah, you know, it, the nice thing is, is that there's no competition between them. So they all kind of, you know, they get paid the same for the most part, and they just all work together for the betterment of Iconic, and they all share knowledge, and they're just, and they're great. They just, they just oh, cast the characters that no one else has. They're, they're wonderful. I love them. Like, it, they're truly like family. Oh, it's awesome. Is there a bike out there that has eluded you that you've always wanted to see come through Iconic that you just haven't found an example it's not so much I haven't found an example. Uh, we've had a couple. I, I've just always wanted a rotary bike. And, you know, there's a rotary Norton and there's a rotary uh, Suzuki, an RE5. And we've had a few of them on their way to us. And for whatever reason, they sell before they get to us. And I just wanted to ride one once. Like, I just wanted yeah. to experience a rotary bike. Like So that's probably the only one. Um, one of the craziest, most valuable Hondas on the planet is here. Just came in. And the owner said I could take it to a track day, which oh. is ridiculous. But yeah, it's a, it's over three hundred thousand dollar bike, and it's so I, I get to try one of those one day, which is pretty fun. <laughs> Be a little nervous about that. Hey, tell me this. Yeah, yeah I got to figure that out. <laughs> the guys that are used to, you know, I've got several newer motorcycles, fuel injected, and all that. When you finally get, say, this eighties or nineties, this classic bike that goes back to car, if you're not used to that. Is it a weird feeling or, or are you potentially kind of disappointed? Like, ah, you know, this doesn't, is there a huge difference? Are there some bikes built back then that were so far ahead of their time? They almost seem modern. Uh, well, to your first part, yeah, uh, they feel a little different. Carbureted bikes aren't like say a Holly carbureted Mustang or anything else like that. It's, it's, you know, they usually hit a little harder than fuel injection do. But the curves of power is not as consistent, so it's kind of fun. It gives it gives you an on and off kind of feeling. Um, the problem with carbureted bikes, as you know, is that they sit for a little while and things go bad, and it gets kind of expensive. I mean, you could spend seven hundred thousand dollars getting your carbs sorted out, and it's just because the ethanol is so bad. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a hard to mix, and there's not not unlike the car market, there's not really anyone doing conversions on them. There's a couple guys have tried it, but it's not you know it's not a lot of fuel injection conversion kits for these bikes so it's not like a holly sniper yeah a holly sniper for a motorcycle yeah. would be awesome it would be it's just that everyone's just so different right because you've got inline fours and three cylinders it's just every bike is so different it would be really complicated to make something like that i bet sourcing parts is rather hard occasionally yeah uh especially for us because we try to service everything and so with that said um we could have, we probably have 60 some odd bikes in the service department always waiting for something but if you also notice if you look at our social media you'll see that every mechanic has two um lifts in their bay that was my idea uh, i kind of when i designed the whole layout of the place is that one bike's always stuck so as opposed to taking bikes on and off the lifts all day at least have two so they usually switch back and forth as parts come in but yeah it's definitely a challenge um it takes a few people just to search those parts out every single day that was really smart smart thinking uh, one of the things that you offer are events and things like track dates through iconic and can you talk about how that started and how that's going and what's maybe upcoming 
Yeah, so, you know, to touch on that really quick, a lot of guys call themselves, you know, a lot of brands call themselves lifestyle brands. I, you know, I kind of feel my nose about that because I don't really believe it to be. You know, it's just a way of getting more clients or charging more for your T-shirts. We want to create a lifestyle. So we want you to not only get a bike from us or have us help you find a bike or ship a bike or what have you, but service it, take it to a track day so you can experience it. We have a track day going on next year that is going to completely change anyone's mentality. It's over at Barber Museum, not terribly far from where you're at. Yep, and I've been there. Be something ex- yeah, it's, it's, we, we were just there this week. Uh, Abby and I were just there. for Unbelievable and, uh, place. Very modern. You know, very, very cool. If you if you're into cars and bikes, you have to go there. It's not even a, a, a request. You must go to Barber Museum. It's beautiful, and the staff is phenomenal. So, yeah. is, um, I guess they have their own track, guys. correct? So you're going to do something where you can put your bike on the track, I guess? Yeah, so our track day is, you know, we are, much like other track days, you know, you, typically you go to a track day and it's kind of dangerous because there's, you know, 200 people out there within a few groups. With us, it's 40, 50 people. It's a very safe environment. But you see a lot of classic bikes that you wouldn't see normally. And so, you know, Keanu uh, takes his arch bikes out with Guard, his partner. And so you'll see the arch bikes out there. You'll see old RC30s and two-strokes and race bikes and maybe even MotoGP bikes. And so the Barber event's going to be much like that times a lot i could could make it to that one that sounds pretty interesting i mean you're hanging out with john wick (laughs) yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be insane you're gonna love it there's gonna some really neat stars coming because we have a big hollywood client base too we're gonna get some of our uh you know hollywood power behind us too it'll be fun incredible hey uh, maybe Pee Wee herman will show up with his bike you don't ever know there you go. I don't know if he still has that, but hey, why not? <laughs> yeah. Hey, tell me a little bit about uh, renting motorcycles to the movie industry. I'm a movie nut. Have you done some of that? We have. Um, so my other company I own is called Pinnacle at Picture Props. We specialize in cleared art. It's my wife's company, but I own a portion of that. And so um, we use that as a kind of a, a prop rental kind of segue, if you will. And so We've done a few. Uh, we haven't done a lot of them, but we're going to get more and more soon. We just did a movie, or I'm sorry, a music video recently, um, but uh, I suspect we'll get more and more of that. It's definitely a segment we're trying to grow. So, Have you run across, I mean, do people collect, like, where is the Harley Fat Boy from Terminator 2? I mean, if you run across movie or screen-used bikes, they've got to be out there. Yeah, we've had quite a few, actually. Um, so my partner, Vic, I mentioned earlier, he has Nicolas Cage's bike from um, one of the movies. I forget which one it was. like. Ghost Rider, uh, maybe? You know. No, no, no. It was the one where, um, like, the Indiana Jones kind of thing that they were doing. Oh, yeah, National Treasure. This minute. National yeah, Treasure. Oh, National Treasure, I beg National pardon. Treasure, yeah. that's right. So he has that bike. Um, and I see, I know where a lot of them are. It, you know, usually the guys that own those or the guys and girls that own those bikes, they typically pay a lot for them. And so it's a little bit hard to resell them. <laughs> so, ah. but yeah, I know where quite a few of them are. Uh, we've had some neat ones, like the bike from MV, um, Terminator. I know where that one sits, the MV Agusta. I know there's a lot of them. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine, brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. Hey, Scott Romine here. We usually talk about Corvettes and fighter planes and movie stuff, but today it's motorcycles, one of my favorite topics of all time. Adam Trump is our guest with IconicMotorbikes.com. Go check out his website. You're starting to like sell apparel and things. How's that coming? It's going well. Um, you know, unfortunately, due to COVID, we've had some some supplying issues. Uh, we have not been able to source the hats, and 
you know, we finally got some T-shirts back in and some jackets and things. But I've been trying to expand that uh, since we have such a big following on social media. But, uh, you know, like I said, we're just kind of just waiting. <laughs> we're in a holding game right now. you also got the most killer posters of these rare motorcycles and things. I guess you've probably decorated a lot of offices across the United States. Yeah, it's been really fun too. We, you know, we did a calendar for a while, a couple of years in a row. Um, just kind of, you know, kind of preserve the the beauty, just the beautiful bikes that we can. And even if you can't afford the bike, at least you can have a really pretty picture of it in your office. So it's yeah. really fun. And it's funny because you know when I look at you, it's it's just the bike. If it was like 1983, it would be the bike and a bikini girl, and <laughs> it's just totally changed over the years, hasn't it? It it has. Um, so the the owner of Fast Dates, which was a really kind of much like you said, like uh, girls bikinis and bikes and things. Uh, it's just it's just kind of I don't want to say it's frowned upon. It's just not really. Say quite, quite honestly, I, that's all I ever look at. I just I know, right? Like, well, <laughs> you're blocking the rear set. Like move one, out of the way. <laughs> one of them get one of them will get you in trouble real quick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like the old Dupont calendars that my dad had. It was a body band. It's like that's just how it was. I mean, nobody thought anything about it really. <laughs> hey, what? Funny how times change. What is the bike that really started all this? Is it the Ninja? Is it the Hurricane? What? What what would you define as the first of our era that's a collectible? Uh, you know, much like you said, the the classic GSXRs because they were one of the first ones of the scene with that eighty five GSXR seven fifty. Uh, that was probably the one that really started the social the um I'm sorry the. Uh, the sport bike scene now obviously you know the elrs and things like the kawasaki elrs in the in the 80s and the early ninjas the gpz's and things those also but the hurricanes and ninjas of the late 80s are what really or gsxrs are just really set the whole scene on fire if you will yeah yeah incredible bikes hey tell us what is your campaign with start engine what is that and how is that going so i'm a big I, you know, I'm a corporate guy from before the motorcycle industry, as I mentioned before. And so I believe in vertical integration and growing a company on things that can just be better. And so the Start Engine campaign is to help fund our new transportation division, which so we're going to start handling transportation, not just for Iconic, but for anybody moving a bike anywhere. And so we're going to start that up by the end of the year. We've already have seen almost half a million dollars in funding from the crowd crowd uh, crowdfunding effort so it's going to help with that and some other endeavors but uh, just so it's not so much out of my own pocket to grow this thing i can get some stockholders and friends to help and it's been phenomenal so far i, I was hoping for a couple hundred thousand it's over half a million so it's, it's it's just beautiful wow that's awesome and you've created this it's like a pods for motorcycle can you tell us what that is i've seen the video of i guess the prototype well, thanks for watching that. Um, so we're not allowed to use that word pod anymore, apparently. Because, oh, really? Because uh, somebody else patented that. Yeah, no. Oh. But we call ours. It's essentially <laughs> a moto box. And essentially, it's the thing is, uh, freight companies don't want to handle motorcycles because the forklift drivers damage them all the time. And they get in yep. the value of them so high and theft is high. So we created what's like a capsule, if you will, that's, uh, I wouldn't say impenetrable, but, you know, it's pretty much, it's ready. It could, you, you can hit with a forklift and it's still going to be okay. Um it opens up like a clamshell. It stacks like an ocean container, so you can put six or seven on top of each other. It's got tracking devices in it. And uh, these little, you know, these moto boxes will be shipping all over the United States and even internationally. And then uh, we'll, we're going to handle transport. We've already spoke to Arch, uh, Keanu and Guards Company, and they're going to use them. And 
BMW has mentioned a couple of things to my partner Abby. So I think we're gonna we're gonna do really well with this. That's incredible. You have your own fleet of trucks here before it's all over with. You know, the, just looking at all the bikes in the hangars and you have a lounge. Can someone join or be a member of something where they could just hang out? It's it's kind of like a museum. Yeah, and that was the premise behind that. Um, so, the, you know, there's two pool tables here and a couple sets of couches and gigantic TV and all that in the sound system. But uh, with COVID, we were a little bit, uh, you know, we kind of scaled that back a little bit. And so we're going to start probably opening it back up again. We do have a membership program. Uh, it's over at patreon.com right now, but we're going to move that in-house under our website pretty soon. And that allows you discounts and first on the list to see bikes before they hit the auction. It allows you first invites to our events like the track days and shows and things like that. So, yeah, we, we're going to expand the membership program probably in the next three to four weeks, and you'll, you'll see a relaunch on that pretty soon. I've seen some photographs of, like, a Ferrari or something there in uh, amongst the bikes. Is this something you might be introducing, or are you just storing, or are we going to sell Ferraris at some point? So, much like any company, right, you, you kind of, you know, you if sling things against the wall and you see what sticks and then, you know, you pivot when they don't. And so we were getting into the car scene more and more for a bit there. And there's just so much competition on the car side that we decided to stick with our core, which is the bikes. We're dabbling with the car side. We've even discussed kind of, I don't want to say merging, but working more and more with the car guys. But we're right now we're going to focus on what we know best and that's uh, bikes and we'll see how it goes from there. Adam, if you've ever run across anyone, obviously they're they're going to be older than you and I, but that saw collecting motorcycles way back in the day and said, hey, I'm going to put some of these in a crate and just store them over here. I know they're going to be collectible. Have you run across that? I've run a, I know a collector back east with 2,400 bikes. I know another gentleman with over 10,000 bikes. So You're kidding there's me. There's some certain... No, and then uh, further to your point, though, I have quite a few collectors that actually had the the I don't know the the foresight to take crated bikes and and leave them in crates for twenty thirty years. We had a ZX seven, much like you talked about earlier, a ZXR, if you want to call it that, um, in a crate, and it sold for seventy thousand uh, dollars recently on our auction site, which that bike new was you know as you know was probably eight thousand dollars. So, yeah. But, but I mean, that's probably pretty. Here's the thing: I, I wouldn't recommend doing that, though. It's not definitely not. It's the the winds are definitely not like the Ferrari market. <laughs> Bikes don't seem to appreciate as much. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I mean, to take a crated bike out, would you ruin the value to then put that bike together if the, whoever bought it, it's like I want to look at it? Are you really gonna? I mean, you're taking something away. To actually, would would you ever start it? Would you ever ride it? There's definitely a, a increased value to a crated bike, but I don't know. I think I'm like you or like most of the people listening to this is that I want to write it. Or I at least want to sit on it. At least want to look at it. So I, I don't personally, you know, join that bandwagon too much. But yeah, there's some people that just, you know, I know some pretty incredible crated bikes that no one even knows exist. Really? Ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. Could they even be titled? I mean, they're probably on the original MSO, correct? Yes, uh, yeah, it's a little difficult in California because we have that 7,500-mile rule. But, um, yeah, most states you could pretty much title anything if you do it right. <laughs> Obviously, Adam, Top Gun 2 has made the GPZ 900 like super famous all over again. Have you seen an increased demand for that bike or inquiries about that bike? Or where are the original bikes? 
Uh, there's a few around. Uh, there's a lot of replicas around. I know of about half a dozen replicas that look really true to the bike itself. Um, it's funny, the hanger next to us is actually the, the co-producer of, of that movie. So really? <laughs> I kind of have a... Yeah, I have an insight to a lot of um, an insight to a lot of people that are involved in that. But uh, yeah, there's definitely we had one of the super low mile one, and we couldn't sell for a bit. And then just before the movie launched, it went on our auction, and it did exceptionally well. So yeah, there's definitely increased eyes on it. Is that the original that he's riding in the movie? Uh, yeah, I mean it's the same model of that one. This, there's one here with like 200 miles that. Uh, I think the guy, I think it sold for like 16000 but we couldn't even get it sold for 9000 before that. So it definitely helped. <laughs> yeah, I think the movie helped quite a bit. Hey, we're talking with Adam Trump. He's with Iconic Motorbikes in California. We'll be right back here on Guatney Unplugged. Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, if you've got an interest in rare and collectible motorcycles, you want to go to IconicMotorbikes.com. We're talking with the CEO, Adam Trump, and and he's just got a phenomenal website and things that he does. Have there been some final closing values on some bikes that just blew you away? Yeah, we've set the records. Uh, you know, we've had two zero-mile RC45s um, that sold for $100,000 on our auction site, uh, that zero-mile ZX7R that I mentioned earlier to you got up and sold for 70. We've had a couple just some really great ones. RC or um, I keep speaking about Hondas, but we had some NR750s go into the $150,000 range. So yeah, it's definitely pretty impressive. Have you had the issues like, you know, obviously Guatney Chevrolet sponsors a show and inventory is such a difficult thing to find right now. Are, are motorcycles the same? It is, but uh, much to your point earlier with how strong our following is, we get so many inquiries coming to us. So it's rare that I have to seek things out because we'll walk in between my partner, Abby, and I, and we'll have, gosh, between us a few dozen emails and sometimes a rather large collections. We we just flew to see a collection on, uh, you know, back over by Barber, up by you, mm-hmm. and that gentleman had 28 bikes, and we saw a collection just before we saw, uh, just before we left with 108 bikes. So... You know, they just keep coming our way. Do they ever just say, Adam, take all of them and sell them all? I mean, do you, do you take that on occasionally? A lot of, it, it does, and that's part of the reason why the hangar has so many bikes in it. You know, one of these, one collector in particular on the East Coast, uh, Will Ziggy, has his own race course, sent us 34 bikes. And so that happens quite often. Uh, where they'll just say, hey, clear me out. Or oh, sometimes there are estate sales, you know, and that's unfortunate, but uh, usually because someone passed away. But that happens a lot as well. What's the ratio from auction bikes that you take in and service and ship versus the ones where you never have possession of them? I would say uh, we're about 60% of the bikes come through our facility. Um, so, But as I said earlier, there are bikes that are listed internationally on our platform, even some from you know Australia or Europe. You had a bike from Russia even sell. So, you know, but it's still probably 60% comes through our facility still. You know, the research, this stuff, Adam, it looks to me like at least looking at Facebook pages and such, like so many of these iconic bikes, like the ZXR that I mentioned, and there's like tons of them in England and overseas. I mean, it's like a common thing, it seems like, where they seem extremely rare. And I haven't seen one in 30 years in the United States. Did they sell a lot more of them over there? And were they different than the ones we got here? Uh, you know, the bike following as a whole in the United States has never really been what it is in Europe. I shouldn't say never really been. It, it, just, it kind of faded a bit off after the 90s. And so 
a lot of people in Europe and Australia, especially um, even South Africa, they just uh, they just kept kind of buying them and holding on to them. And that's just we bring a lot of bikes in from all different countries. But on the flip side of that, we we ship a lot back out again. Um, but yeah, there's some special bikes in Europe that or even Australia that we didn't see here. And so we kind of make it a point to bring some of them back here just kind of for something different. It's kind of fun. Is it unlike cars? I mean, they're I guess they're just they're street legal here. I mean, you know, there's some cars. I know the emissions and things are not exactly like the USA would want them to be. I guess bikes are similar or different? Pretty similar. Um, so, you know, what you're seeing now, a good example of what you just stated is the uh, Japan market. You know, they had limited CC issues. It could only go, you couldn't go over 400 CCs back in the day. So now that they've changed those laws, you're seeing a lot of demand for the big 1000s and things back in Japan. So you're finding these Japanese bikes are shipping back to Japan because they've changed the rules. On, a, on the other side of the coin, though, there's also certain countries that won't allow two strokes anymore. So, you know, there's, things are always changing. You kind of got to keep an eye on on what's coming. I know you have sold some bikes that were raced by famous motorcycle riders. How did those end up coming to market? I would think that like the manufacturer would have held on to them or, or never put a VIN on them or something. Can you talk to that, how that occurs? Yeah, a lot of times the manufacturers themselves don't keep a lot of the bikes. They'll, you know, like Honda, Kawasaki, and so on have museums, and so they rarely sell their bikes. Honda's the same. But uh, the privateers or the racers themselves are who you usually see sell them. And sometimes racers sell them right off the bat. Like, so they'll retire and they'll get, you know, whatever, like Scott Russell might get a bike, and he'll say, all right, and he'll sell it just to get, you know, uh, some money in his pocket. But, uh, yeah, usually those come to us from, you know, either private collectors or the riders themselves. You know, we just sold uh, Rob Muddy's bikes, which is from Kawasaki team. And uh, we had Doug Chandler's and Scott Russell's bike and those two. And uh, they sold for, I think, 140000 for the set. So it was sizable. It was, a good, it was a good sale. I would think that, like, the current bike they're riding right at the moment is it's probably a million-dollar motorcycle. It's not all the most advanced research and development on that bike at the time. Yeah, I mean, you think, unfortunately, you know, you just can't use it anymore. And it doesn't, and it pales in comparison to what's new, right? So you've got these new bikes that are basically, yeah. you plug them into a computer and you can adjust things. And the old stuff, you know, monoblock Brembo's were the hot ticket or these special high-end Olin's forks or, or what have you. But nowadays, the new stuff is so much better that the tech isn't there. And so, you know, comparing apples to apples, they just, they're just, kind of slow i i like them because i like the whole retro thing it's like an old mustang you know it's like you know i just love old muscle cars but oh yeah point, i love old bikes as well you know <laughs> and, you, and you only need to go so fast anyway i don't need to do 200 miles an hour i just i don't need to do that so. i would think if you got one of these racing bikes it's not even street legal right probably couldn't even be made street legal yeah we've had a few race bikes that we've put headlights and taillights on and things like that and made them semi-street legal <laughs> different than cars yeah yeah, you know, it's like I, it's funny because a couple I go to the rock store every Sunday and I have people look at me and go, "Is that these two things?" I'm like, "Oh, it's got kind of <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, close enough." <laughs> you've probably run it across some cool characters at the rock store if you're going that that often. Can you talk about some movie stars or something that ride all the time. Yeah, a lot of those same people are our clients. Uh, like I mentioned Keanu a couple of times. Sure. He actually, his Super Leger that rides now is my old bike, that Ducati. That's my bike personally. So it's, you know, there's a lot of those guys. Um, you know, uh, I think 
Josh from the Hunger Games, his bike's here, Jesse yeah, Metcalf. There's a bunch of guys that uh, actors that kind of use us, and you know, even some directors too. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Michael Mann, for example, we serviced his RC30 and his NR750. He has some really cool Hondas. Wow. Um, some of Leno's bikes go through us. Actually, quite a bit of Leno's bikes and his like network sub buddies, they kind of come through us as well. So yeah, there's definitely a fair share of celebrities. Hey Adam, how important is setting a bike like this up for an individual rider? And is that something your techs can do? A motorbike's an extension of your body, and so you know it. You really need to kind of personalize it, where your levers are, and things like that. And if you don't, your hands go to sleep, and your back will get sore. It's it's definitely something you need to look at, and it's really important. If somebody is listening and they're going to be in California, is there a certain way they can get an appointment or how would you visit Iconic Motorbikes? So, yeah, we pretty much keep the doors locked, um, you know, not just for COVID, but for our just the safety and, and um, security of the building and the airport. But, yeah, we do everything by appointment. So someone can just call us and say, hey, I'm kind of in town and let us know and we put you on a schedule and make yourself a home and poke around and see some of your dream bikes. It's really fun. <laughs> you spoke earlier about the Patreon. If somebody joins the Patreon, what are they going to get out of that? Let's touch on that again. So they'll get a discount on service and and things like that. They get first invites for our club events or uh, our track days, those sorts of things. They get a preview on the auctions, which is really interesting. So as opposed to just, hey, here's a bike going live, you'll see it four or five days in advance sometimes. Um, and you can kind of like, oh, wait, get kind of a – and you'll even get an option to make those owners an offer prior to the auction, although – some of them are pretty set on the option. There's a bunch of perks. And then we also do giveaways. So we have a bunch of sponsors like a Rye Helmet and things like that that give us things. And then if you're a Patreon member, which kind of helps us, then we give prizes back. And and we're going to, you know, as I said earlier, we're going to kind of blow that up in the next month or so and bring that in-house outside of Patreon. We're going to bring it into our website and uh, get a lot more prizes and a lot more exciting things and even give away free motorcycles every once in a while. It's going to be great. Adam, I got to wonder if the manufacturers are watching what you're doing and seeing the true value of nostalgia. Is anybody going to truly retro some of these bikes or release something Maybe that's fuel injection, but but looks like the kind of things people collect from Iconic. Have you ever heard rumors of that? Yeah, it's not even rumors. They take us in-house. So Avi, uh, my partner, is more on the media side, and he's well-known with the OEMs, the, the manufacturers. They give us bikes for testing all the time and write articles on it. It's part of the Iconic experience as well but yeah they're already doing that they're taking like classic liveries and you know and paint jobs and things and applying them to new bikes and even the styling is starting to you can see different influences Bomoda, now that Bomoda and kawasaki are together they're using a lot of like classic design elements for their newer launches that are coming out soon so yeah you're definitely seeing that they're on to something hey real quick uh, we're out of time but can you tell us where all someone can follow iconic motorbikes online so on Instagram, we're just simply that, Iconic Motorbikes. And then on Facebook, uh, same thing, Iconic Motorbikes. And you can check us out on IconicMotorbikes.com is our website. IconicMotorbikeAuctions.com is the same thing. It goes to the same uh, the same landing page. So, yeah, you can check us out there, watch all the little antics and, and watch our mechanics, and our event. It's really fun. Adam Trump, thank you so much for being on the show. And go visit IconicMotorbikes.com. See you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged.